Buongiorno, this is Jason. I'm recording this part of the podcast solo because I uh, I am solo away from Chris in Arizona. I was unable to record today's interview with him because I was out into the middle of nowhere hiking it up and with no service. Unfortunately, the way my, uh, my, vac- my vacay schedule worked out, no pod, but um, you know, this uh, is making me realize this is 80 episodes, 81 episodes we've done of this show, which is, you know, about a year and a half's worth of podcasts in less than, I don't know, in just like four or five months, which is great. So, uh, hopefully this is a rare occurrence where we're, we're potting solo. Um, but Chris, hopefully we'll be able to handle it. The guest is Ryan Duffy, an old friend of his, so they can just banter and have, uh, you know, two guys talking about whatever bullshit they want to talk about. Um, Ryan has done a lot of cool stuff in his life, including he was he was the guy who went to North Korea to play basketball with Dennis Rodman when he was hanging out with Kim Jong-un. So that alone, I'm very sad that I was not able to hear about. But, you know, I'm in, I'm in Sedona. I'll give you Sedona scene report. Drove out here yesterday from L.A. It took about six and a half hours. Um, it's hot as fuck. Sedona is a very, very cool place, actually. It looks like a fake city. There's no, um, you know, there's not really much going on here other than Republicans riding mountain bikes and then, you know, the people who grew up here uh, being okay with it. There is, um, there's a place that we went to eat dinner at called Rotten Johnny's Pizzeria. And it sounds terrible, but it's probably the... uh, one of the better restaurants in town, unfortunately. A fine um, wood-fired shrimp on the Caesar, if that's uh, if that's what your flavor is and you're going to be out here in Arizona. I think Arizona as a whole does suck dick for sure, but Sedona, I could see myself living here. We're, we, got, we rented an Airbnb, pretty big house. It's maybe like three or four bedrooms, big yard, pool, huge kitchen, you know, big old master bathroom with a huge tub you know i'm in like one of the offices and you know you you could buy this house for under three hundred thousand dollars crazy ass view of the mountains it's nice as fuck so maybe i will retire here and become a uh, mountain biker hopefully um hopefully one day we um we went to a hike today that i recommend called the hike to the crack at wet beaver creek and that is a real name there is a place called wet beaver and there is a place called dry beaver here in sedona don't go to dry beaver there's not much to check out but the wet beaver is really cool it's a it's a seven mile hike total which is which is you know nothing to sneeze at and then it ends up in a watering hole but it was nice to go to a watering hole that isn't isn't like an la or a southern california watering hole where it's just like fucked up stagnant water with you know undesirable animals and people wading in it and uh, peeing and stuff it was actually nice and clean and crisp people diving i don't i never understand people who jump off of the big rocks 100 feet into the water i see i see diplo and his his friends in the major lasers jumping off of buildings and and rocks that are 100 feet tall and doing backflips and landing I don't really get any enjoyment out of that. It seems way too scary and dangerous, and you, uh, you know, you land on, hurt your head or something. It's a bad idea, but it was nice to swim in a real swimming hole, 
I did not have water shoes or aqua socks. That was bad. And uh, we did do some um, cool content creation that nobody will ever see. I did get to take some mushrooms out here. <sighs> mushrooms are great. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to take a full eighth, though, because that is... I just don't... I, there's too much going on in my mind to be able to handle that. But when I did do mushrooms when I was younger... I would only take a full eighth and I would do things like drive my car around Orange County and pretend that my Honda Accord was a tour bus tram and I would give my friends a, a tour of the city, which looking back is one of the worst, dumbest things you could ever do. Truly, you know, like I would I would be sitting at a red light and you, it would be on fire and I, and I drove a stick and it was fine, but... I can't do that now. I would just jump off of a building or something probably, which is which is a bummer. Um, I did visit the Sedona McDonald's. It's the only McDonald's that has teal blue arches to match the, uh, the decor of Sedona. I did. I was finally able to track down the Travis Scott burger named after the rapper Travis Scott. I tried to get one last week outside of San Bernardino. And the uh, the quarter pound lit meat patty was sold out. I tried to order it the um, the Travis Scott burger with a fillet of fish patty instead of the quarter pounder patty, and they said, "Give me a minute, I have to check." And they came back about five minutes later and said they don't have a way in their system to handle that type of request. So um, didn't work out, but worked out seamlessly today. Um, I hate McDonald's. It is is it is bad food for bad people. Um, but I had to do it in the name of in the name of content. Not too bad. the uh, The bun itself looks so perfect that it becomes not um, delicious looking or tasting. You know, it just looks like a fake thing. It looks like the color, the golden brown, has been airbrushed on it, and the sesame seeds have been placed on one by one with a, a pair of tweezers. But the burger itself, not bad. The bacon on it was very crispy. It needed to be crispy, and it delivered. The two slices of cheese was La Flame style, and that that did prove to be a winner. But the best part about it for me was the sweet kind of acrid tang of the pickle really brought the spicy barbecue to life. The 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 one downside for it I, that doesn't make sense to me like living in LA the the In-N-Out double double or just an In-N-Out burger is sort of like the the benchmark, the gold standard of what every other burger should be judged against because it's, you know, it's like pretty pretty perfect and it costs like $3 or something like that. The Travis Scott burger, it was it was over six dollars with with tax and everything. I don't think McDonald's food should cost twice as much as In N Out food. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I will never go back to McDonald's again, and neither should you. But I had to do it. I'm I plan on writing a full, maybe one thousand word, detailed review of the Travis Scott burger. Um, you know, just as a as an emotional exercise. Um, but we will be back to our normally scheduled pods. I'll be back in LA tomorrow and then we'll do a one-on-one on, uh, you know, ready to go for Monday. Thank you guys all for listening. And also this episode, Chris, um, with Chris and Ryan, the first 10 minutes of their convo, maybe like eight minutes or something got cut off because somebody wasn't recording correctly. So 
I'm just going to edit it and they're just going to kind of hop in and start talking about cool shit. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to me doing a solo ramble. I'm going to go take more mushrooms and lay around in the pool for the next few hours and then eat some pizza from Ron Johnny's. Bye-bye. Oh, what's going on, losers? Uh, it's Chris Black, uh, half of half of the How Long Gone Dynasty. My illustrious co-host, Big Slim, Big TJ Stretch, um, is actually lost in the desert in Sedona, um, finding himself. Um, he might be on mushrooms. I don't even know. Um, so today, you know, it's just going to be me. Um, it's going to be Chris Black, and I'm going to be talking to a dear friend of mine, a guy I've known for probably 20 years, um, Ryan Duffy. Um, Ryan is a journalist, producer, and director of uh, television. Um, you might recognize him as the host of uh, the original Vice TV show. Um, mo- most remarkably, he played basketball in North Korea with Dennis Rodman, the Harlem Globetrotters, while uh, while Kim Jong-un uh, looked on. Um, he has a new show on Netflix called Home Game. Um, it's a docu-series that explores and... Uh, explores traditional sports from around the world um which is it's really interesting really fun to digest and kind of check out what other countries you know deem as sport um but ryan and i've known each other since we were both uh very young and very um into partying um so i'm sure he'll be able to regale you guys with some tales of of stupidity um but he's forged a really nice career for himself in in television, um, specifically in in the sports arena, which is something that I obviously don't understand or care about. But I love to see my uh, friends succeed. Um, without further ado, um, let's we'll give Ryan a call and um, pray for Jason. Um, hopefully, he finds some water. Hopefully, he finds himself. Hopefully, he can finally crack open that pesky pesky third eye. Why do we expect things from these corporations? Like, they're, they don't care. Like, they don't care about anything except making money. That's what corporations are here for. Right. Like, that's just, that's fundamentally what that thing is. Now, if we don't think that that's, if, if there's a, a, a more radical line of thought that says that, like, Facebook has become so large and maybe Amazon, maybe Microsoft, maybe whoever, right? Some group of the, the, the big tech firms have become so large that they actually should be public utilities and we should think of them differently. Cool. I'm here for that. I'm not smart. I'm not smart enough to make that argument, but I'm here for it. I'm interested in it. But right now, that's not how they're built. They're built to uh, reward their shareholders and and grow their profit margins, and that's what they're out here doing. So when they when they let us down in the broader kind of moral arena, you're like, well, there's there's nothing <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, nothing to yeah. incentive incentivize them to behave that way. No, I mean the the Zucker. I mean it's it's also like celebrities. I think this week are you know like we're not using social media for 24 hours in protest, and it's like yeah. guys, what the fuck do you think that's going to do? Like. What on earth do you think that's going to do and prove to anyone? Because you're going to be on it as soon as it's it, it's like it's like fasting for 24 hours and then eating a pizza. Like yeah. it's gonna, it, that, that doesn't really do anything. Like you have to, it has to be a bigger change. You have to right. change your diet. You have to change your diet. You can't just do it for one day. Um, but but that that's also like that that is like the fundamental like like you know lizard brain flaw i mean there's a lot of them in like our our engineering as humans and you and i fucking know this better than most is like people who've had our dalliances (laughs) with substances right is that like we are 
brain, from a, from a neurological standpoint, we are engineered to want quick gratification and not to invest in long-term solutions or delayed gratification at all. So if someone says, hey, Facebook is doing this thing, but if you just bail for a day, or hey, if you post, post this uh, particular image on Instagram for today, that'll demonstrate your support. You're just like, oh, great, quick fix, immediate gratification. Course, yeah, good, 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 go, right? And like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I sympathize with that, you know, like, I mean, get, get, Fighting the fight against immediate gratification is uh, one of the themes of my life. Uh, yeah, actually, so yeah. Now that you, you know, now that you put it that way, I think I understand. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I do. I mean, I think it's like a hive mind. Like, I want to be a part of this, and I do think it comes. The thing is, is that I do think it comes from a good place. Like, I don't think these people. Are oh like, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't. I just don't think people are are, are thinking critically because you know uh, the world is hemorrhaging, and whatever they can do to place a band aid on that, they want to participate in. Which I I and I think that especially when you have the kind of following these people have, that's respectable. I just think that the end game is, is not is it, nothing's going to happen. Is my point? Like, it, yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a good idea in theory and in practice that the returns are minimal to none. Um, yeah, but you know what, dude? In a weird way, you almost just—I almost just came full circle on that. In, in some we're weird... for it now. You're good <laughs> on it now. <laughs> well, in in the uh, great great words of the immortal Ian McKay, at least I'm fucking trying. What the fuck have you done? Right? Like that's true. I mean, no, that's a good point. That's who good am point. I to sit here and impugn people's motives? Like, there. Yeah, even if it's even if it's short sighted, even if it's it's a, a one day thing. It's a thing. You're doing something, yeah. and the alternative is nothing, which is what my lazy ass is sitting here doing, impugning the motives of people who are doing something. Sure. So, sure. you know, fuck me. No, I think that I think as a person who's parentally logged on, um, it's it's uh, I, I form <laughs> I form opinions that are are are. But that I think that's where my now that I don't get high, I think my instant gratification is giving opinions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I it's like I'm I'm so quick to react, and I think sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. But with stuff like this, I'm immediately turned off to it, and it's like, Chris, what do, you need to take a step back and think about why are you really? What's the real problem here? Like, is this really could it call? Is this really doing anything but attempting to be good? Because otherwise, there's no reason to think negatively about it. Right. Well, I'm I'm, and I know that. Uh, I, you're theoretically asking me questions, but uh, if I may turn the tables for a moment, <laughs> theoretically, yes, I, very. Theoretical. I am. Uh, I, I am interested in your your social media hierarchy. I and and it, it is really funny that we're spending the first twenty minutes talking about social media, which is something I don't participate in. Um, <laughs> but I, it, it's because it's generational, right? In in a, in a, in in the most basic sense, in the sense that like. TikTok, obviously, is for people who are 20 years younger than us. Facebook is for people who are about 10 years older than us. And that leaves us, as people in our mid to late 30s, kind of firmly in what I guess is like that that first wave or whatever, yeah. right? That, that we're, the, we're the generation that remembers dial-up. You know, we're the yeah. generation who had internet first, but we remember a time where it didn't exist. But for you in particular, it's fair to say that, that Twitter is your medium of choice, right? Yes, it is. Yes, that is that is fair to say, and I have chosen that, and I'm sticking with it. Right, and which which is uh, it's also fair to say that that's atypical, right, generationally for us. Or or do you, am I wrong on that? Are there? I, I think I actually think it's I think it's more about um, it's first age and generational, and then second industry wise. So I think. Right. I think as a as a member of the as a as a card carrying member of the New York media elite, 
Um, I do think I, I think that our I, I don't speak for all of us, but I speak for a lot of us when I say Twitter is the chosen medium um, because it's more of a transference of you know ideas and opinions versus images. You know what I mean? Right. Which is, is but I love. I mean, look, I use Instagram all fucking damn all, all the time. I love it, but I don't feel like I'm able to. I don't express myself. I, I feel like I'm able to express myself more wholly and fully on Twitter. That is the medium that, that is, is best for me as a person. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right. It, it, it divides first and foremost generationally, but then within generations it divides, I guess, by like professional yeah. inclination. Right. Yeah, but like, you know, I've, I've also never used – like Twitter for me has been actually – like it's benefited me uh, positively. Like I've definitely gotten jobs and think like it, it's an aware, it's the same reason that I write. You know what I mean? It's not about money. It's about like, I like to do it and it brings an awareness to myself and my work that I, I control. You brand know what building. I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's brand building, baby. Let's just, if we want to really take it down <laughs> to the studs, it's just brand building. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but, it, it, but it's like that in, in Instagram, it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to post a selfie like that. It, the, what it, the way to make money on Instagram are things that I'm not, that don't appeal to me. So well, therefore I use it the way that I, I see fit. And that's, that's the thing that I has really, if we're, if we're being honest about it, has really kept me from Instagram. It's like, I don't, and I, I know this isn't really what Instagram is anymore, but in the early days where Instagram really was like. Here's the sunset. Here's my breakfast plate, and here's yeah. me and Bob on a hike. Right, like the, gl- the glory days is what we call that. But yeah, <laughs> like I, I never felt comfortable with that, and I know that now it is far more like people have figured out some pretty nuanced and sophisticated ways to use that platform. But like, do you uh, do you not scroll it? Do I do scroll it? it, but pretty infrequently. Like I know that it's a it's a pretty habitual you know? scroll for <laughs> a lot of people. I'll pick it up yeah, two yeah. or three times a day. Jason called me in the last episode the Golden State Scroller, and I thought that was I thought that was very very clever. But I'm I mean my screen time is absolutely through the fucking roof. Like so it's depressing. Does, I've heard you say that before. What does that mean when you get like the alert at the end of the week? What are we talking about hours per day? Eight nine hours. Wow. So let's six, that. between between six and nine probably is the is the usual range. Between six and nine, but is that because are you almost never in front of a, a larger screen? Like, are you, are you, you know, you know, Ryan, I wish that was the case, but, uh, but you know, m- m- but most days, like at least since I've been in LA, like I-, I would say the screen time is a little bit less. Cause I'm just kind of out and about, um, on the computer itself. Um, but yeah, I-, I think that like in the morning I use the computer for a couple hours, like pretty heavily. And then for the rest of the day, it's phone. You know, so whether it's social media, obviously, email, like I'm on Slack for public announcement stuff. So, like, I'm using – it's not just social media, but Instagram is definitely, you know, 50% or something of that time when you look at the breakdown. Yeah. It, I mean, it is the easiest one when you're just, like, waiting online or, or doing yeah. – I, mean, I don't know that we all do I, that I, anymore, but – I use it more at, at this point though. I'm not, I just am like accepting of that's who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, the way people beat themselves up and I need a digital detox. I got to get away from my phone. I don't, that's the other thing that I'm immune to. Uh, I, I don't get like jealous of people's lives. Like if I see somebody on a vacation, I'm like good for them. If I see somebody, you know, doing an ad, I'm like good for them. I don't think right. about it. Like I, I want that to be me. Like that's not how I use it. So I think I'm lucky in that way. Um, because I do think it's really negative for a lot of people. I'm just not for whatever reason. I'm just not one of those people. Yeah. And there is also this, this inclination that we all have, right. Of like, 
the 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 pendulum swing in response to something is almost always an overcorrection, and and that's true of like politics, cultural norms, or, or or anything else. That's that's like our our kind of back to the hive mind thing you you were talking about before. But like it does get to this place too. And again, I'm going to end up taking a position that sounds like pro social media, despite my own <laughs> my own reluctance. It does get to a place where, like, it's so easy to point out what's wrong with it, and it's so easy to point out like it's it's ill effects on society, which are which are real and true. Totally, totally. But like, it is also revolutionary. Like, yeah, yeah, what, no, I know. Far we beyond, yeah, and like far beyond just like our own, you know, day to day enjoyment, but like. The fact that we are all connected to each other at the fucking press of a button, the fact that I can really dial up almost any esoteric kernel of knowledge that mankind has ever accumulated over its entire civilized existence, I can just have have a curiosity about it and within six and a half seconds have the answer at my fingertips. That is insane. We do not fully process how no, fucking no. And we insane won't. We that won't. is. We no, won't. We won't. it's too big. I, it's too big for I mean, our lizard brains. On a day today, too. I mean, even thinking about this podcast, I mean, you know, like a lot of these guests are. I would say most of this is done via social media. You know what yeah. I mean? Whether it's a whether it's a person I'm friends with, or it's once removed, or even if it's somebody that's like a celebrity or whatever, like you you can get in touch with these people for better or worse you know what i yeah. mean so it's like on a day-to-day basis i'm using it you know i'm using it like everyone else for fun but like it does creep into like a true work thing beyond just like you know like awareness or brand building you know what i mean yeah. it's actually nuts and bolts like some work stuff um which again like a, that you know what's not to like <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying like that for me like what's not to like but i, I do think that um you know but the, it, it all it all uh, I, I agree with you. I think that, that it's so big at this point. We're only focused on the negative virtues of it, which are all real. But I do think the positives, especially like, you know, the way you're describing is almost like we put a man in space kind of level shit, which I agree with. It like, is. It's like this, is, this is actually that crazy that we're all connected and that easily and you can talk to anyone, blah, blah, blah. That's very real. And I do think that's like brushed aside because, you know, people are are sad they saw a hottie on vacation. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think those things are equal or fair, but I do think that the, but like you said, it's, it's a pendulum swinging. It's a, it's a huge backlash. Like when social media was first taking hold, we thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. You know, 10, 15 years later, it's the worst thing that ever happened to of us. Course. So it's like, what, you know, it, it's like cigarettes or soft drinks or cocaine. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> it was, it was a medical use. It was great for you. It was fine. It's no problem. And then we look into it a little harder and we're like, shit, actually, I think this is killing us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't, yeah. It, it's it's truly all of that. It's all of that stuff like wrapped into one. Right. It's all of it. It, it is, of course, neither black nor white, but it's it's great. Uh, but it is interesting too, though. I will say, just the last the last thing on this is like you made the point earlier, which is we are. Everyone thinks their own generation is so so important and 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 yes. has such an interesting perspective. It is interesting to me that we are. Um, the last generation or the generation, I guess, that really does have like the digital divide halfway through our lives in the sense that like, I firmly remember growing up, going to the library, uh, needing to figure out the Dewey Decimal System and like needing to get information in this like 
really fucking tactile, step-by-step kind of way. And then I remember dial-up. I remember getting AOL and high school and screen names and chat rooms and all that shit. And now I think we are, we've had it for long enough that like, it, it has become, you know, we're, we're not digital natives, quote unquote, uh, but like it has become deeply ingrained in a way that we are super comfortable and, and kind of conversant yeah. in it. And that's, I that th- is like a really interesting dual perspective to have. We're the only, I mean, I think that, you know, TikTok is the ultimate divide of that. Are Whereas you on, like, do you have TikTok? No, are you on TikTok? No, that, no, I'm just like Snapchat too. I just didn't care about those. They just yeah. didn't hit for me. Don't matter. And I think that like TikTok to me feels deeply generational where it's like, if you're 18, like that's all you care about. That's all you use. You know, fa- like Instagram is for your parents. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the same kind of thing as what Facebook became. I'm curious about TikTok too. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm curious about it from a fucking money making standpoint because it's like, and it's all obviously it's all wrapped up in the Chinese, you know, it's, it's such a big political story oh now, too. God, yeah. Um, but it's it's I mean, I, I you know, people send me videos. I watch videos that I'm sent or I see other places and it's fucking funny. But it reminds me more of Vine where it's like I never used Vine, but I would look at like I would see enough Vine in my life where I felt like I understood it. I think right. TikTok is, is I think TikTok's a little more complicated than that. And I think that I mean, look, the New York Times has a a, 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 a technology reporter Taylor Lorenz, who covers TikTok like exhaustively, yeah, it's that big. You know, it's that she's big. She's great, deal. by the way. I don't she, know yeah, her, she's, but no, she, dude. She's she's gonna come on the show, but she's like, yeah, I mean, dude, she's it's it's like to me, I'm like, this is so fucking dorky, and it's all these nerds, but it's also like this is a multi million dollar business. It's youth culture. It's sex. It's you know, it's kind of everything. It's in, everything. In one. Yeah, and, and and I think that, but those people aren't famous to me the same way like YouTubers aren't famous to me, right? You right, know, so right, it's right. like you can tell me they have X amount of followers and show me a picture of them and they're great looking and in great shape, but I still am like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Yeah. He looks like any he looks like any other fucking West Side rich kid in LA that has an Audi. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it yeah, doesn't yeah. nothing nothing changes for me, but I do think that, that that to me is the ultimate divide. That that particular program. Um and maybe Snapchat was the precursor to that. Um well, well yeah. and that's that's the other thing too, right? Is I almost feel like I don't have to. I'm, I'm curious about TikTok, but I feel like I don't have to really invest in in understanding it because ultimately it's going to get steamrolled by reels yes. or whatever, right? The 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 imposter clone that that Zuckle build and and just you know roll over whatever else while while TikTok itself becomes an, a, a, a political football. Um, because I think that's 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 one of the other funny things that we we like accusations that we throw at these social media companies, which again are true, but are just a little bit off base from like what they are. Which is like, oh, there's not there's there's not a, a lot of innovation in in Silicon Valley anymore. There's not a lot of innovation at Facebook. Um, they're just they're just um, you know copying other people's products and businesses and rolling it out. Yeah, they are. And usually, (laughs) usually it's the second guy in the door who makes all the money. And the the, the first guy, you know, lays a bunch of ground. And I'm not talking about tech. I'm talking about anything, right? Like, it usually pays to be second or third. Um, Because the the pioneers are out there kind of, you know, breaking new ground or or whatever. And that's fantastic. But they're usually out ahead of the culture. Um, 
and then by the time kind of you know the second second wave second guy in the door comes they, they, there's there's financing that comes with it um so ultimately i feel like I'll, I'll end up engaging in whatever it is that makes tiktok so great in the form of i think it's called reels right isn't that the instagram version <clears throat> that that is the instagram yeah i mean i think that that is i mean i think it's already a failure you know what i mean but like <laughs> I, I don't that that is I, I, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? But but Instagram did that to Snapchat. They, they ate their lunch. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like these guys they're Yeah. Innovating isn't the point anymore. I think for some of them, I think just getting to market with something strong is the point, which yeah. I, you know, I, I see that totally. Um, but I did want to talk about getting into TV because I think you've had a, you know, I think a lot of people would love to get into TV, um, Hollywood. Um, but I, I think your path, I mean, that was never your plan. So I think falling into it is even more interesting. Um, yeah. And, and funny to go, funny to go from talking about social media, uh, the constant wave of the future to TV, which we've all, we've all been saying and reading, uh, and, and being assured that t- TV was, was dying for the last, what, 20 years. And it, it is not dead. It just, it takes new shapes and forms. I mean, it's not going anywhere, but yeah, it, it, TV is, uh, and I, I think it just, it means a different thing now, right? I think people now are very comfortable to, to use TV as the catch all term to describe not just television, but television, broadcast, cable, the way we traditionally thought of it, as well as OTT, streaming, etc. All these yeah. things. It basically just means like longer form video content. Um, that's but, true. TV, TV really does mean longer form video content. That's it. That's really it. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. I, I, uh, I, I, I did kind of stumble into it in the sense that like it was, you know, I, I, I started at Vice way back when it was, I was 19, I guess. Um, and that was like, I mean, you, you know this well, this is where we met, but it was a, yeah. it was a, it was a print magazine once a month and it was barely a print magazine once a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there were, you know, it was, it was nine or 10 people shared office with triple five soul arguments about like, no, I need this closet for, you know, my, my, denim versus like my boxes of, of print magazines and that was like that was the lay of the land and I was an intern I was at NYU at the time and I was 19 and you know fast forward I, I stuck around vice throughout my college career and by the time I graduated they were ready to hire me and I came on board full-time and was just kind of plugging holes right in the way that sure. like you you do when you don't know how to do anything particularly well. You're just like <laughs> yes, yes. the the blunt force object at 22 years old, where they're like, okay, you're in charge of um, distributing magazines and selling some ads to record labels and writing some music reviews and sweeping up the floors because the front door is broken. And at that time, there were still actually prostitutes and Johns in Williamsburg along that Kent Ave truck route and. You need to clean out the used condoms that are there every month. What a different, what a different time, you know. What a different time. As a as a Brooklyn hater, even I'm wistful for that era. But yes, yes, (laughs) (laughs) continue, continue. (laughs) But so basically, it's just a a small enough company at that point in time that like everyone kind of does everything. And a couple years into my my tenure of doing all of those things and a few others that fell onto my lap, it was like, all right, we think that there's an opportunity here to 
make some video for the internet because that's going to be the new thing now that you know the the distribution pipes of the internet are such that we can actually make and do this and ship you video yeah let's do it um and it was it wasn't <laughs> any uh i i'd love to say that it was like either foresight or skill that i was like i could like see around the corner and go like hey i think this is internet on you know video on the internet is going to be pretty big or that i was particularly particularly good at it it was neither i think it was like there were 20 of us at the time and i raised my hand faster than the fucking guy behind yes me, you know yes 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 this was, um, this was the vbs.tv era yes the vbs vice broadcasting system.tv which was the first vice there was a vice guide to travel which was a dvd um, VBS was kind of born out of that. It was a joint venture with Viacom where they gave the company a couple bucks to kind of experiment in online video. And then that VBS was, you know, for all its successes and failures, the eventual launch of a pretty big YouTube channel, the eventual launch of ice.com, the eventual show on MTV, which came out of it, that initial joint partnership around VBS. Yeah. And then the MTV show turned into the HBO show and all that stuff. And, I kind of hung around for all those things and, and, and was doing all of them mostly in the beginning as, as kind of an on camera correspondent. Um, but in terms of actually taking what was at that time, kind of nights and weekends, cause I was still kind of, I still had like a day job at vice. I still had a desk job. Um, and then we would kind of do this, you know, in a moonlighting capacity. Um, whereas now, you know, fast forward 20 years and I sit out here in LA. I've been out of ice for seven or eight years at this point. And TV is my job and it's my job in a way that is, um, much more like much more holistic. Cause what I eventually yeah. figured out about like the on camera stuff is like, it's cool and it's fun. And I still do some of it, um, for the right projects, but it's also pretty limiting in the sense that like, the more you know about television, the more you realize that, like, that job usually, and there are exceptions, usually doesn't have a lot of say-so. Like, you, you're kind sure, of... Sure, you show up and do what you're told to an extent. Pretty much, you know? And, like, I, I'm sure there are a lot of on-air correspondents who are deeply involved in, in, in the shaping of the stories they're, they're reporting on and the like. Yeah. But, like... You know, for me, balancing a few other jobs there and, and whatever, I never felt like I was getting in early enough. Um, and I, I in never... The, in the, pro, the in creation. In the process, yeah. I was just... I was I was showing up to help execute other people's ideas, which, you know, at, at the age of 25 is probably all That's you fine. should be doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when you start to have some ideas of your own, uh, you start to go, well, how, how does this sausage actually get made? Um so now I'm, you know, uh, I, I kind of like to think I can do a few different things. I produce some shows. I direct some shows. I still do do. I still do do. I still do the, <laughs> uh, the on-air correspondent things here and there. But basically, I just like, I tried to get good enough, not great at any of them, but good enough at like the three to four jobs that seemed interesting to me that I could kind of just say yes to whatever I wanted to do and fit in there in a way that, um, the, what, whatever the project demanded, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, you, you and I have been friends for a very long time. I know you pretty well. The thing that we don't relate on is sports. Um, I can <laughs> give a shit. And it's not like you talked about all the time with me or anything over the years, but I do think that, I mean, I think that at least what I remember, the, a big coming out for you is when you played the, the basketball game in North Korea. Like, yeah, you, you know, on on and that was a and Kim Jong Un was there and it was and Dennis Rodman was there and the whole the Harlem Globetrotters this whole thing it was a, that was like a big big story and you were physically playing basketball which I think I think is <laughs> is you know because I I just I think that's like when I I just did this underwater workout with these like Marines for GQ and they said to me no one ever does the workout with us. They want to write about it and talk about it, but no one ever does it with us. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think that that when you were doing that, that felt very participatory in like a George Plimpton way, but it was a little more extreme because of obviously the the situation, the timing. Um, but I, I do think that that the the sport thing that's where it, it at least for me it starts in some way because now that's mostly what you focus on. Yeah, a lot of my projects now, not all of them, but a lot of my projects now are. Are in sports, and that's funny too. Like unscripted sports, so sports documentaries and, and sports series. I just did this show for Netflix called Home Game, which is like sports cultures around the world. A little bit of a nod to like the wide world of sports on ABC yeah. in the seventies, that kind of stuff. Um, which is funny in and of itself, right? Because on one hand, like yes, sports is. I am like a a, a deep <laughs> a deep, uh, somewhat maniacal sports fan. Like, I've scheduled my day today around a Boston Celtics playoff game, and I mean that really seriously. Like, I have, a, <laughs> I have literally in the calendar a block, and it's like no call. I, I get back on the phone afterwards, and I've got work sure. I'll do you're afterwards. You're a great guy. You're, you're a hard worker. I get back on the phone after I spend three hours watching a basketball game in the middle of the day. Uh, I'll, I'll, well, dude, the middle of the day thing is a... Is a I, I've been out in L.A. now for three years pretty much exactly i still can't figure out like tip-off time for my entire life for basketball games was 7 30 or 8 o'clock and now sure, it's rolling sure. in here at 4 30 i'm waking up on sundays and nfl kickoff is at 10 a.m and i'm trying to have my coffee like that is still fucking me up i really uh, feel for you i really feel for you bro. <laughs> i really feel for you, that's not even like people talk about like champagne problems or first world problems this is a more obnoxious version i don't even know what the right term is but like nobody enjoyed me saying that. But anyway, that is a, a problem I'm dealing with in my life. But but anyway, <laughs> um, sports, yes, because I, I deeply love it and I have since I was a little kid has become a big focus of what I do. But it also is, um, you know, that I'm, I'm sure you feel this in some ways, that kind of self-perpetuation machine that you get when you're, you know, at this point, we're all in our, our mid thirties, our friend group, you know, we've been doing whatever it is that we've chosen to do for, you know, 10, 15 years, depending on yeah. how long it took to figure out. And in some ways you just, you just end up doing more of what the last thing you did was. And I'm not saying I don't like doing the sports stuff. I really do. But like, it, it becomes hard to fight against the tide because the opportunities become self-selecting in a way. Someone yeah. watches your last show and goes, oh, okay, this is the sports guy. Great. I, here, here's my idea for the sports. Well, thing. I think in, in this case too, I mean, I think that genre has exploded. Like the, the dot, the sports doc thing. It, it, like I said, as a person who doesn't give a fuck about sports, the amount of, you know, ESPN 30 for 30 or E60 documentaries I've watched is, is a, a high number, you know? Well, so I do think the, the appetite is there now too. That's a great point. And that's the other part that like filters into how much sports stuff I've done of late, which is like, 
don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like yeah. it is, it is sports, sports docks are at the intersection of, of two really powerful forces. One of which is just the boom of documentaries um, in large part credit due to Netflix over the last say 10 years, right? Where all of a sudden docks have gone from like this weird little silo on PBS and like, you know, the, the Ken Burns world of, um, yeah. you know, to, to what they are today, which is unrecognizable, right. And, and massive cultural phenomenons that in, in many ways outpace scripted content. So that's one trend line. And then that's getting married to something that's less of a trend line and more a mainstay, which is the unending popularity of sports, which you, you, yes. you sit outside of, um, but, I'm not immune, though. I, I notice. I mean, the way that the country reacted when it was taken away from them was literally like it was more important than air breathing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do recognize the importance. Some might say over importance, but I'll, I'll leave that to them. Oh, for sure. Look, I am even. I, I, I'm the same lunatic who blocked out my day for a playoff game, and even I know it's absurd. It is completely, sure. and, completely, and totally absurd. Um, but. Uh, but it's also so so I think one of the things in, from a business standpoint that's happened is like that that never ending popularity, that growing popularity. And look, there's a lot of reasons for it as as television becomes less nationalized, right, and less impacted by borders when you do have streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, et cetera, international markets become more important to your business. That involves a lot of translation, and a lot of those companies are really good at it, but it also involves just identifying things that transcend borders, and that's why you see stuff like, you know, Bourdain, rest in peace, food, yeah. music, sports, these these universal languages ugh, um, become increasingly <laughs> important. So then you have live rights, like the actual games themselves, yeah, yeah. become so fucking expensive like the amount of money that is spent on the contract to air 162 baseball games a sport that nobody under the age of 62 gives a flying fuck about and a product a television product that is terrible right it is like a it is a terrible television product it really oh is. my god it's awful <laughs> and you can't it's it's hard it's not even easy to program because the games have no structure like a soccer game at least you go okay 245 minute half they add on a little injury time why don't you block out about that. three it hours just goes. It, just goes. Just goes. it could be two hours long it could be five and a half hours long and you have to figure out how to program your television network around it it's so fucking dumb but it remains this unbelievable cash cow to such a degree, because it's so popular, and it's one of the few things that people actually tune into live television for anymore, award shows and specials and news and sports, right? Um, uh, but because those have become so expensive, kind of what I do, I don't do that, uh, but what I do kind of rides the, the coattails of that in the sense that like people want sports on their network, but they cannot participate 
in the billions and billions and billions of dollars that goes into locking up the live rights. So that's where I kind of weasel in the door. I didn't even, I never thought about that. I didn't, I, you know, I I just thought sports were popular, but I agree. But this is a symptom of that basically. Like it's, yeah, this is the downstream effect. Yeah. But it's so expensive to air real sports that they have to have programming that, that is, is, well, I mean, arguably that's interesting too, because it's more appealing to a wider swath of people. If in my mind, that's the hope, right? Is that like, even if you don't watch the game, if we do some, you know, whether it's, you know, it's, it's called like the sports shoulder programming or sports adjacent or, you know, just sports doc generally, if we do that well enough and it becomes this character led thing, which basically everything does at the end of the day, then who cares what the, you, you don't need to be invested in, in what color t-shirt the guy puts on after the fact and whether or not he scores 20 points or two points. Like it's kind of neither here nor there if you become invested in kind of the, the character depth and drama, which is what most of the stuff redounds to. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's the only. I mean, you know, like I I could I would watch a third Lance Armstrong documentary at this point. You know what I mean? It's like I just that 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 to me is a great example of like cycling on TV. I would never in one million years fl- turn that on. There's exactly. no fucking way. Exactly. But he's such a mon- he's such a monster that I can't get enough. You know, and, and I. You, yeah, I, I'm very pro doping too, which is a whole nother podcast, I think. But I'm ready to let these guys go wild. Oh, you know, I kind of feel that way too. I actually wanted to ask you about this, um, and and I felt that way. The the I know less about the the. I mean, I, I watched Icarus along with everyone else, and it's yeah. it's a it's an absolutely stunning uh, documentary. I know less about cycling, so when I think about like doping and performance enhancing. My my reference is Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, which let me sure. pause there. Does that okay? You know who those people yeah, are. Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean I I played sports growing <laughs> I up. I know, like, I know. You know. But those guys I mean, those guys were also the biggest star. But also, I mean, this goes to tennis too, like which is the only sport I play or care about. And it's like, you know, like Rafael Nadal definitely is on something. It's a, it's an understood, but he's too big of a star, so they're going to let it rock. It's just like these guys, it's just too crazy. Their bodies are too in. There's just only so much you can do naturally. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because I, I think I, you and I, I don't think, have talked about this, but it sounds like we may have the, the same perspective on it, which is like, okay, and? Like, yeah, like- I, Kobe Bryant used to get a, a, a lot of shit. Um, for a suspicion around a procedure he had in in Germany, and I can't even remember the particulars, but it was like blood platelet removal. It was essentially like making your legs younger, right? Yeah, it's yeah. some voodoo or other. And I was kind of like, okay, but the idea here is that we all love Kobe. The NBA is a better product when he's playing. And all he's doing is just trying to elongate the window that he's able to do that. So why are we mad? Everybody wins. Now, I agree. I mean, I think there are some people that really care about, you know, fairness. And I think that, but at the top of the pyramid in sports, from my understanding, is money. So, you know, you need your stars. It's, It's the same thing with Nadal. It's like, look. Like he's a superstar. We can't have we can't ban him from a year of majors. Like that's just not on the that that's not possible right. for us to do. So you know we're gonna let it rock. And, and, this, and whether it, whether sorry. it's a hundred percent confirmed or it's like we're pretty sure, like it it doesn't really matter. We're just gonna look the other way. And this goes back to I think what we were saying about like Facebook and all this stuff is which is like 
at the end of the day, and I've I'm taking this like real hard pro capitalism stance on this <laughs> podcast, which is I did not expect to take. But it just it, I'm not saying whether this is a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying it is it is the thing. The NBA is a business. Facebook is a business. The NBA is a business. Um, the World Tennis Association is that. I don't even know if that's the government. Yeah, body. The, no, it's it's all it's all yeah. I mean these guys, and it's 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 not all. It's also like a staggering business. It, it, you know what I mean? It's staggering. It's, yes. Yeah, I think the NFL is the one that gets the most, you know what I mean? Like that that right, to me so, is, yeah. is is the most like thing, you know, the one that's talked about the most as far as it's it's kind of um I don't know if unfairness is the word, but just like discrepant. I don't know. It, it just seems like that governing body and that system is talked about more than any other sport. A disaster. And, yeah, it, because it, because it's yeah. so bad. It's um, so bad and and it's 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 a few different things. They just they they cannot get out of their own way, right? Like they are first off it's the sport itself which is you know the most violent of the, of the Yeah, American I don't I I do you do you think it'll go away in our lifetime? No. I just I I am my Same. my my one of my underlying beliefs about the world um is momentum is a motherfucker. Totally. And it it just it is and it explains a lot more about our culture than we'd like to think um because because it's because it's, it's it's so simplistic um but i just it, football is you like the most popular sport in america is football do you know what the second most popular sport in america is i actually don't college football Damn, that's fucked up, actually. Right? So when you think about and and that includes, like, the NBA, which has had an unbelievably great last decade, even two decades, right? You can look at the whole, you know, you can trace it back to Jordan and say the 30-year run or whatever. Um, the NBA's done great. You know, soccer has expanded. The UFC soccer, is kind of see, on the soccer, come up. Soccer's never going to happen in this country. No, I, I, I stand so by it. It'll never, ha- it'll never happen. And I think football will continue to happen because there are a lot of parents who just don't give a fuck. Like it's a paycheck, you know what I mean? And I think that's part of that's some of the issues, obviously, is 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 who that benefits and who it doesn't benefit. Um and I think the argument about college, the you know, paying college at like that stuff actually interests me. Like the college athlete shit, those guys should be getting paid if you're making money off of them. Hundred percent. It's that's, insane that they're not paid. That's very interesting to me. But but the it's it's the the, the business side of it, it's it's similar to Hollywood for me though. Like I don't even care about the product sometimes. I want to hear about the deal and the agent and the distribution and all of that stuff. It, that yeah. appeals to me in the same way that it does with sports, whether you, yeah. know, you know the players or not. But I, I do think that the the documentary side, the stuff that you're doing and what you're working on is is like the most appealing to the biggest group of people, which I feel like is a good sign. Yeah, it's the, it's the accessible, you know, the gut, gut check it with my mom who, you know, has has never sat down to watch a game with me, but like will sit down and watch most of the shows that I end up making because that at the end of the day you don't really need to be the sports fan to watch, you know. The, the, yeah, the no, and and that, that's what I think like streaming has really done too. Is given a place a place for that stuff to live. Um yeah. but I now, now, what is what is out right now that people can watch? Oh, a lot of stuff is in the works. You know, it's like the the COVID production sure. freeze. Did everything um, just stop for you? Is that how it works? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's thawing now, um, which is which is 
good, I think. I mean, we'll see. Um, and it's coming back. Like, I have a shoot on the 28th, which is in 11 days, which is, like, the first... The first real, we've like skirted by and done a couple little low key things. This is the yeah. first like full on, you know, full crew, you know, new, new, now, what, is this outside? Is this inside? What's the vibe? We're going to do the bulk of it outside and you travel as few people as possible. And like in this, I won't drag you into the weeds of this, but like this is a scenario, this is an interview scenario where any other time prior to this, the, the interview subject is is up in Washington State, and we would go, okay, so we'll come up to you, and we want to do this, yeah, you know, in, in a location that's um, comfortable for you and, and kind of true to you and a cool backdrop. So we'll come up there a day, a couple days early, scout it out, and then, you know, we'll bring the whole crew. We'll pick up a couple locals, and we'll just sit down with you and come back. No, 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 no. Now, <laughs> the, the, the goal is to travel as few people as humanly possible, so we have to bring... The subject down here, he has to quarantine for a short amount of time. Everyone has to be tested. There's COVID Jesus monitors Christ. on the set. And it's just, it's, it's I'm interesting. Looking to become, I'm looking to become a COVID monitor. I think this is a good career path for me. Dude, I mean, it is. I feel like, it, I feel like it's a must-have. It pays pretty well, and you don't have to do much. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what they actually do. Um, I think it's just literally someone who's like, walking around safety monitor style from high school going like, Hey, get that mask up around your nose. And Hey, do you need to be standing three feet from him to have this conversation? No, totally. That's exactly feet? what, that's exactly what it is. It's, um, it's literally the feds. It's dark. Yeah. So, so you're flying him down and you're doing it in whatever location you yeah, are so, safe. Right. So we'll, we'll do all that. And there's a bunch of red tape and all that stuff, which is boring. And I'm, I'm, I should be grateful to be working again. Cause I haven't in quite some time. I think I, I like a lot of people turned, you know, everything shut down in, in March. And I think everyone who works in this industry went, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do development. I think that the, the running yeah. feeling for a lot of people is like, you get so busy with production that you you lag on your development and you don't have the next idea ready to go when your existing show ends. So I think I and a lot of people went, okay, great. I'm going to just work on development and rights acquisitions and decks and, and sizzle sure, reels sure, and all this sure. shit. Three months, four months in, you're like, okay. Um, exactly. Well, and I'm out of like, ideas. I'm, I've got I have all, developed all the ideas I have are every decked. bad idea I've ever had. <laughs> And now I want to start shooting again. So I'm, I'm happy to have it back. But it, there's there's stuff out there that came out right before the lockdown. Um, that show, Home Game, I mentioned, is eight episodes on Netflix, sports cultures around the world, kind of um, unknown local games and, and the, the interesting people and places that you meet when you go to look at them. Um, and then I've been uh, directing a few things here and there. I'm, I'm, this is a, a football doc that I'm directing next week. Um, there's a Fox sports documentary on a guy named Rick Ankeel. And that's like, that's a good example, by the way, the Rick Ankeel thing of like, it is a straight down the middle to use a sports metaphor to talk about sports, um, story of a, a major league baseball pitcher. Um, but you can do it in a way where the outcome of the game is kind of neither here nor there. And you end yeah. up telling the story. Rick had this a, a, a kind of, you know, mental block basically where he had something called the yips, um, which basically just means like he's a pitcher who forgot how to pitch on a, a real basic Shit, level. That's crazy. It's fucked up, dude. I'll send you the link. It's, it's a wild <laughs> story, but like, 
if you do that well enough, and it happened on a big stage, it happened in a playoff game, so like sports fans know that. Oh, it thing. happened. It happened live. Oh, dude, it happened live, and it's tough to watch. He's twenty three. Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. Twenty three years old, or maybe even twenty two. World at his fingertips, like fire throwing rookie phenom. Holy shit, Rick Ankeel, he's the future of baseball out there in a playoff game, and all of a sudden he's just whipping balls around the stadium. They're just going everywhere but to home plate. And people are like, what the actual fuck's going on? And that was it. It just broke him. Like, it it wasn't an injury. It wasn't, yeah. It's just, it was. So anyway, we we did an hour-long doc about Rick last year for Fox that, um, you know, I think even though that is a story that happened on the mound in a stadium in a very traditional kind of sports ecosystem, I think at the end of the day, it's a story about like, oh shit, this thing that I trained to do for my whole life, I'm now not able to do. And how do I pivot my life around that? Like, there's a lot of applications to that, you know? So anyway. No, totally, totally. I mean, that's, that's the, and I think for someone like me, I, you know, I'm, I'm, that that stuff appeals to me, so I know it appeals to a lot of others. You know, it's it's um I I feel like a lot of people in my life like sports, which I really tried to avoid um growing up at a at an insane pace. Um, but somehow, I think as we get older, we just you know you lose the angst and you're okay with liking football. Yeah, yeah, that you know, that's the other thing too is like that harsh dividing line we all drew in in high school, where it's like no 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 I, I listen I, I can't watch sports I listen to punk rock music. Exactly. Like it, it, exactly. Like, I know. I know. I know that was. Uh, but hold on. Before I, I, I know we're probably wrapping up. I'm actually curious about your because you're you're now. It seems full on into tennis. But I also believe from uh, listening yeah, to some episodes, yeah. yes. which is the the way. But we've been friends for two decades, and I know more <laughs> yeah. about your life from listening to your fucking podcast. Um, but it sounds like you're dealing with some some injuries, and I'm curious how you're maintaining. Yeah. I, I'm in physical therapy now, and I've got a whole. Bunch a, of yeah, shit. we should we we, we could because you, you're a big runner. I mean, like you're doing serious, and that's all you're doing right now, correct? Well, it, I mean, it's the pandemic problem. I think a lot of people are having, which is I was always running a lot, but I was mixing in soul cycle and some boxing and some tennis yeah. and whatever. And then all those things close. So all I do is put on shoes and go run outside my house and beat up my old hips and knees. So the what are you story, doing? This story? Well, I have pivoted to the Peloton, to be honest with you. Did the you Peloton buy a Peloton? Store. No. So where I'm staying in LA has two. Um, and, oh, wow. and so I'm able to, you know, you basically, there's a gym here and the residents like book it out. So they have an hour to themselves. Uh, you know? um, so basically I'm seeing the trainer three days a week and doing that stuff. And then the other days I'm, I'm doing the Peloton for an hour or 45 minutes and then doing some weights on the Peloton and then playing tennis. So it's been, honestly, I was a Peloton. I made fun of the Peloton relentlessly. When it came out, I said that yeah. was a, that, that was exercise for fat rich guys, which I still think, <laughs> which I still think, I still think it can be. You know what I mean? I still think it can be, but I do think they are poised because you know they're they're releasing all this stuff. Um, you know, like they just announced a lower price bike. They're doing a different machine that's more cross, you know, treadmill, blah blah blah. I I think that I I do think the gym is is going to. I don't think it's obsolete, but I think if I had the room. Um, like my friends, Jake and Adrian basically turned their guest room into a gym over this period. Yeah. They have a Peloton. They got a full set of kettlebells. They've got a Bosu ball and it's great. You know what I mean? It's fully what you need. Um, I just like to leave the house. That's my problem. 
Yeah, that it's funny. That's what kept me from. I have a bunch of friends who got Pelotons early on, even pre-pandemic, and were like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the future," or whatever. And my thing was a little bit like, especially out here, I might feel differently if I were still in New York, but especially in LA, I feel like I spend a lot of time in my house or in my car or by myself. And like Equinox and Soul Cycle were like one of the few things I could reliably count on to like bump into another fucking human and have a five minute exactly. conversation. I mean, so, we've ran into each other at Berries and Soul Cycling. You know what I mean? true, like, yeah. But I'm actually I got the offer from Berries to come try their new their new Beverly Center parking garage class. Ooh. So, so we're gonna go on Saturday because and I'll let you know because I, I, I think it's like the full class because you don't have to have a mask on. They they brought the treadmills out the whole thing. Oh that's cool. But I do yeah, think there's that, I, the kettlebell shit, I did that. I did all the stuff you were supposed to do during this. The only thing that's worked for me is the trainer. That's the only thing that has felt like inspiring and like I'm doing something new and he's teaching me all this different shit. That and that to me is worth every penny. Like it's 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 money well spent versus, you know, a gym membership or whatever. Um, since we can't do that anyway. Yeah. And didn't you recently wasn't there an injury you were rehabbing? Yeah, I from from that's why I'm using the Peloton is because I fucking I got those crazy Nike four percent and they fucked my ankle up. Dude, I'm having some real problems too. So I, I'm doing physical therapy and I'm not totally thrilled. I, I also like, I mean, the, the whole list of shit I'm trying to do is embarrassing. I got like a <laughs> sure, special, sure, 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 a sure. knee and hip pillow that goes between my old Love clunky that. ass legs. But you were doing acupuncture, right? Can you, can you talk oh, to yeah, me dude, about I, that I'm a little? A hun- dude. Um, yes, it's, it's a place here in LA called, uh, you family acupuncture. It's on Beverly. Um, and I went there years ago and I was on back problems and it was just really great for me. So I went back and it's, I mean, basically it's the full thing where they do the, the, um, fascial scraping, you know what I mean? On the muscle. Ooh. And they, all, they also do cupping, they do acupuncture. So it's, and it's so, dude, it's 85 bucks. You know what I mean? It's so affordable. I'm and in, more than in, that for this physical therapy, that's just of course. supervised stretching. I'm I'm under the I am a full acupuncture cupping like I I subscribe to all of it like that it's always worked for me it's affordable it's it's like non-invasive I don't know I've always been fine with that and maybe I'm lucky because I haven't had like real real injuries that would require surgery or something but for stuff that's just kind of like annoying you know what I mean and yeah. like problem that that is is what I've found to work um and I I highly recommend it and I think I think that like I don't know. It's it, again. It's always worked for my back, to my my calves, to my ankle. It's it's just you know people use it for skin, for fertility. Like there's so many uses for it. Um, I just really back it. I would give it a try. I, Dude, I've actually never. I've no never more. gone to. I've never gone to physical therapy. You know, I've never. I've never done that. So it's kind of like. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's leaving me a little cold. I've, I've never really done it. And it just hit a point in these last few months with the amount of running that my hip was just kind of, I, I felt like I needed to do something less. Oh, I mean, running yeah. is the worst fucking thing for you, but nothing feels better. That's the fucking problem. It's, it's, it's a hundred percent understood to be the worst thing for you. And it's absolutely the best thing feeling wise for me. Like the only other, the only other thing I'm getting that kind of pleasure from right now is like, advancing with these rings that i'm using so i'm like hanging upside down and doing all this shit i never thought i'm doing handstands and stuff i never thought i could do before so but that's a different feeling than just like running for an hour and feeling good when you finish i mean that's it right is it's the worst thing you can do physically and the best thing you can do mentally and it's so cruel that it exists on that fucking i don't know what what shoes do you wear I alternate. I was talking to Ben. Do you know you know Ben Rayner, right? Ben Rayner, Ben Rayner just certified coach as of a couple days ago. 
Dude, Ben Rayner is, by the way, like, I, I, the reason I was talking to him is because I don't know if you fuck with Strava or you follow Ben on Strava. Everybody loves, everybody loves Strava. I don't use that, but everybody loves it. So I'm out there clocking maybe, you know, 30 miles a week, 35 miles a week, feeling pretty good about that and, (laughs) and, and feeling it, right? Going like, wow, if I ran 37 miles, my hip would fall out of the fucking socket. And then I'll just cruise over to Ben Rayner profile and my guys at like 94 miles a week. Like it's crazy. an output that it's I don't. Crazy. And he's a dad. He's a he's a working photographer. Like I literally don't understand the mechanics of it, let no, alone. I I, I've I've said this to him. He because when I was running oh a lot God. early pandemic in Montreal, he was helping me a lot. Like, yeah, right, here's what you should do Monday. Here's what you should do Wednesday. Here's what you should do Friday. And and it was it was a pretty light touch, but by the end I was I was running the furthest and fastest I'd ever run in my life. Yeah, um, dude, he's 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 a fucking guru at it. So and back to your question, I had I had asked him about shoes and asked him about everything. So he's obviously unlocked it, but he said that one of the important things that I had not been doing, but now I am, is alternating shoes. Yes, yes, yes. I've heard this from him and others. Yeah. So now I, I've got Nike Flyknits, uh, the React Flyknits that I wear. And then I've got this broader base shoe that's a Saucony. I never know how to say that. Saucony? Saucony? Either one. I think it's fine. Saucony. You know, we're not we're not sticklers on this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, we, uh, let, we let things slide sometimes. So I go back and forth between some Sauconys and some Nikes and I... I, I don't know. I guess it's helping. Who knows what's a placebo and what's actually helping? But I, I'm telling myself that it's going to improve. I need. I need to. I mean, I I got rid of the. I sent the four percent's back to Nike and made them give me a refund, which I never do. Wow. I was just so upset because they look so fucking cool. You know, what yeah. I, mean? I love the way they look. But I'm 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 interested. I mean, I I, I got my ankle's feeling pretty good now. It's been like a month. I'm, I'm going to start easing back into it. I think, but I do this this old age shit really ain't for me, bro. It's, Dude. it's really you know it's taking a toll. And, and luckily, you know, luckily our problems are are small and minimal. But uh, you do feel it now. I definitely feel it differently than I used to. It's that that's the other thing is like there's the actual pain, there's the actual discomfort that comes from the hip and whatever, and then there's what we all know is the bigger issue, which is. This is this is the age slapping us. In the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can yeah, wear yeah. whatever cool T-shirts we want <laughs> and work in whatever young industries we want. <laughs> it, it, we're we're fooling no one, and we're sure as shit not fooling our skeletons, which are collapsing around us. That's yeah. As the world collapses, my skeleton likes to match. Um, <laughs> man, all right. Well, it's been really good to have you, Ryan. Uh, good to catch up, and um, people can catch uh, catch your stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Um, Home and game on fo- Netflix. Couple other shows coming out later this fall. Uh, I'll, don't I'll, follow I'll him do on a- social media. No, <laughs> no. You, you won't find out. No, anything no, no. About fi- that is the one time I'll be on social media. I'll be on uh, the sorry. Ryan Duffy Instagram posting about the new shows this fall. <laughs> we love, we love Hollywood, Ryan. Um, thank you, thank you for joining us, um, and I will talk to you soon. Great to talk to you, bud. Later, bro. Later.